have John Quinn, co-founder and CEO of Wellnessery, a provider of data analytics and vendor management solution to the self-insured employer industry. John has tremendous experience as an entrepreneur in the healthcare benefit and wellness space. He's also the author of a book called Benefits Revolution. Check it out if you're serving the self-funded space as a broker or a TPO. He's also a former McKinsey consultant with an MBA from University of Chicago Booth School. I'm super excited to have John on our show today. There is a huge challenge for self-funded employers as they are bombarded with point solutions ranging from maternity health, behavioral health, specialty PBM, pre-diabetes program, tiered networks to reference-based price to this and that and so on. It is very hard to figure out which solution to prioritize, how to track the efficacy or the impact of this solution, how to manage all of these vendors and these point solutions, and how to continuously drive value from it. Today, we're going to learn from the expert in this space who is doing this day in, day out for numerous self-funded employers. You're going to learn some valuable insights on how to use data to prioritize and drive value from existing solutions that are there for the self-funded employer, how to identify new solutions and vendors that are going to meaningfully drive down risks or costs, for example, specialty networks, specialty PBM, and so on and so forth. How to track the usage, the impact, the trend line of these different solutions, the vendors that are there, and how to identify unmanaged members that should be on these programs, that should be using these programs. And finally, what to do, how to do, and where to go to unify all of these vendors, solutions, and point solutions so that their member experience is not fragmented. It is simple and they can navigate. This program is brought to you by the Healthcare Administrators Association, HCAA. For over 40 years, HCAA has supported third-party administrators and the self-insured employer industry through educational opportunities from leading industry experts. For information on joining HCAA, please visit our website, hcaa.org. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar, and I'm on a mission to bring value to the healthcare industry through improved transparency. And my goal from this podcast is to give you one aha moment that you can implement in your business, whether you're a TPA, broker, or an employer. In my day job, I run a company called Zaki Point Health that helps self-insured employers and their employees provide price transparency, direction, and value by delivering a digital front door for the member that proactively steers members. Please like or share this podcast on your favorite podcasting tool so we can bring together a community of like-minded professionals. We are pleased to have, as our podcast sponsor, Ikigai Growth Partners, a valued sponsor of multiple HCA activities. Ikigai is a growth consulting firm that works with two sister venture funds to find and support the growth of innovative new companies in the areas of healthcare technology and tech-enabled services. If you're a part of the self-insurance industry and are looking to innovate, you might benefit from a relationship with Ikagai. Let's jump into the conversation with John. John, welcome to Voices of Self-Funding. I am super excited to have you share your thoughts on the topic of managing vendors and driving value from these point solutions. Just for our audience, it would be really helpful if you could share why you are best equipped to share your insights on this topic. 
first, good morning, Ramesh. To give you a little bit of background on myself and Wellnessity, our Genesis story started five, six years back, and it was really began on the back end of a population health kind of quick fail where, and that's really the reason for Wellnessity's name, but we had an original product that was targeted for small employers to bring better wellness and population health initiatives into their arena. Didn't cost them anything and funded through tax incentives. And I had about 10 customers interested, but I couldn't get them to step off the starting line. And I knew that was a problem. So we went up market. And as we were talking with executives about benefits in general and population health more specifically, they coached us to not bet on population health. They had put a lot of money in at that point, and they weren't sure if it was actually working. And they really said most benefits in my mind or our minds are rounding errors on our corporate P&L. In contrast, our healthcare spend is eating our corporate budget alive. So it is now the second or third largest expense category, and it's a black hole with regard to predicting what that cost is going to look like this year or next. So they had a real problem. And it was of significant size. And as any entrepreneur will tell you, when you hear those characteristics, you lean forward. And so as we got to know the situation, I was struck by the fact that the C-suite executives had really outsourced all the decisions to the marketplace. And we're we're talking about the C-suite, like HR teams at self-funded employers? Yeah, exactly. So HR and above. My background, I started in technology and spent a long career in financial services and capstone that career as a partner at McKinsey. So I was very comfortable in the C-suite. So I naturally started above HR and worked down into HR. So a lot of these points of view were really from CFOs and CEOs, not from HR directly. And what intrigued me was this point of view from the CEO's mouth, right, figuratively, is that we really don't make purchase decisions. We just write checks. In fact, we outsource the decisions to the marketplace. So we lean on our advisors and brokers to guide us, or we buy brand like United Healthcare or CVS. Because in the absence of information, people look to brand to kind of supplement detailed knowledge. And I basically said, business 101, if you have a problem, the first thing you have to do is own it. If you can't take control of the problem, your odds of fixing it go way down. So I said, A, you have to own this problem. And B, as we kind of peeled that onion back, I said, what kind of information do you have to support decision-making? And the answer was generally, we don't really have any. All the information we get comes to us packaged by our suppliers, right? So there's huge objectivity problems in that information. And that was actually Wellnessity's first pillar. We said, we're going to help you get your own information asset so that you understand healthcare spending, the healthcare condition of your population, and you can make your own decisions. So that was leg one for Wellnessity. I can talk about 
the rest, the evolution, but that really was the genesis for us entering the market was an employer first solution focused on information, which meant it had to be a low cost, easy to access solution. It couldn't be a IBM data warehouse or a Watson AI tool. It had to be a low cost information asset that helped business leaders make decisions. So John, maybe just to clarify the context, what kind of size of employers you're seeing when you're referring to this, where you are talking to them direct and helping them versus where you are seeing the brokers involved in helping with all the decisions around vendors, point solutions? Yeah, so our initial offering was small business. That was Wellnessity 1.0. So Wellnessity 2.0, we went up market. And where the conversation got interesting was 1,000 employees and above. So our initial, our ground zero for landing was 1,000 to 5,000 employees. So significantly sized businesses, but very little expertise in healthcare purchasing and very small HR teams compared to the size of the spend. So that was our initial customer. Got it. And so how do you help these employers manage these vendors and point solutions? And and if you could also describe what kind of point solutions we're talking about here. Yeah. So what's interesting is the idea of point solutions was really a second step for us. So as I mentioned, we started with let's build an information asset that's employer first And we had a hypothesis in the beginning based on advice from advisors uh, and brokers that a unbundled health plan outperformed a bundled health plan. And that made sense, right? Because bundles are typically inefficient because they have more in them than what you actually need. And as we learned more, the bundles have problems with opacity, right? They're not very transparent. What's going on inside? So we basically said, okay, our hypothesis is that we need to unbundle. And this is five years back. What we discovered within a year was that unbundling was incredibly valuable. I mean, you say incredibly valuable. This is clearly to the employer because it's a big headache for the TPA, the broker. Yes. So we found that if you take a fully bundled plan with a small employer and you're able to break that up and put best of breed point solutions, you have 20 to 30% in cost takeout potential. If you have a larger employer with a fully bundled self, there's about 10 to 15% of opportunity to go after when you help that entity migrate to fully unbundled. Help me maybe understand this. So you said, 20 to 30% cost takeout, this is on the overall medical and pharmacy spend? Yeah. Or is this more like just the cost of these solutions, whether that is diabetes program to... It's just the total cost of the health plan to the organization. Got it. So 20 to 30% reduction in that. And then what was the second number, 10 to 15% opportunity? With larger employers, they were getting better efficiency. So there's less opportunity, but still significant. Got it. So it's the same number, but for the larger employers, it's 10 to 15. And for mid-sized employers, it's 20 to 30% savings there by unbundling. Exactly. So having kind of proven that unbundling 
represented big opportunity. We basically had a decision to make, which was who in the marketplace represents the most value in an unbundled best of breed vendor stack. And we call it a vendor stack rather than health plan. So once again, borrowing a term from the tech industry. I took another lesson from technology at this point, and I said, open architecture and open markets tend to out-innovate the best actors or market leaders over time. And the marketplace has taught IBM that lesson over and over that it can out-innovate even the best-funded organizations given enough time. So we said, we're going to go into the marketplace and we're going to be very open about who we work with. So if an employer has an existing five players, our starting point is we don't have to change the health plan and we don't have to change your vendor stack and we don't have to touch your member to start saving you money. What we do is with the information, we start squeezing waste out of the system and we start asking questions of the vendors, who they're interacting with and how they're performing. And we help our employer clients form their own point of view on vendor performance slash vendor ROI. That's a big move. Most employers rely on the report that the vendor gives them self-reporting ROI, we, in contrast, bring an independent point of view on how that vendor's performing. Got it. So that's a stage one. Keep your five solutions. We'll just bring the independent analytics to track the impact. What is stage two? Stage two is we start infill. We have a playbook that we've developed over years that starts with things like it's good to have a branded wide network, right? United Healthcare, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna. We don't force our employers to abandon those wide networks because of their advantages, right? Universal access, good prices at the fringe. What we do is we start to add specialized networks alongside. So we'll carve out spine surgeries, organ transplants, hip replacements, joint replacements, and get those to better quality providers. And we have found significant value by migrating the complex events to quality. And what's interesting about that is we don't worry about price in that situation. We're solely looking for quality. Specialty pharma is another area. We help basically break up the specialty pharma and expose individual drugs or prescriptions to vendors that have specialized solutions to drive down cost for those situations. And we go on down the map. We improve care navigation. We improve the use of disease management vendors. I actually have a counterintuitive point of view. A lot of employers with regard to vendor set try to pick one per category. And I would assert that in the area of diabetes, as an example, why not have three? Because if you actually look at the different diabetes vendors, they appeal to different types of patients slash members. 
So you're sub-optimizing by picking one. If you could pick a shelf of three and efficiently manage it, you actually get greater saturation of the need in your diabetic population. So if I'm summarizing stage two, basically theme is bring solutions now at the highest kind of inefficiencies and starting with network, then specialty pharma to navigation to disease management. Now there's an explosion of solutions which creates problems both for the member and especially if you have three different diabetes programs and you're a thousand employee employer, I don't know what kind of diabetes I have and switch solution. So there's a whole explosion there. How do you manage that experience? And then on the back end, presumably, how do you manage these explosion of solutions? Yes, to your point, there's two major issues that unfold. One is how do you manage the increased number slash complexity as an employer with limited resources? And second, how do I manage choice within my member population? How do I help them with choice? So on the complexity problem, what we began to do, and this has become a major source of value, is we began to integrate with each of the vendors at the digital level. So we became not just an information hub, but we also became an integration hub so that we could manage this growing complexity. So Wilnesity sits as a consolidation point for the employer connected to this growing list of vendors. And because we're digital, we can use machines slash our platform to manage the increased number. So we're not doing it with people. We're doing it much like the securities processing industry or the payments industry. We're managing it with technology and data standards and digital connections. So let's maybe dig into that. So what kind of data do you need to have coming in and out and passing to the vendor in order to really drive the efficiency, the ROI? Yeah, so interestingly enough, the first thing that we discovered as we were trying to connect digitally to these vendors is that they were suffering from information problems just like the employer. So the carriers and PBMs out there had done a very good job within the boundaries of intended use, which anybody who works with HIPAA knows what intended use means. And as a result, they were being constrained on the information they had access to. We, on the other hand, work for the plan sponsor. And the plan sponsor is the the second most powerful actor in healthcare behind the provider. So in their role as payer, they have full rights to access all information tied to the healthcare of their member population. So we use that to get very broad, very detailed, and increased frequency of data. We, in turn, pass that on to the vendors at the authorization of the plan sponsor. And that turned out to be a huge source of value for each vendor as they understood the population they were serving better. So that was step one. So step two Here we are pushing medical claims and pharmacy claims and enrollment data out to our vendors, making their life more efficient and making their value more significant. 
what we started to say, we have a blind spot. We want to know who you're working with, and we want to know what the status is of your cases across time. And what that helped us do is better understand impact to members and attribution. So I could now do attribution at the member level back to each vendor and solve a second problem that the vendors had, which is I can only see the members I work with. I don't know who else those members are working with. So that person's change in cost was muted because of multiple contributing factors. We can actually unwind that because, as you know, if I know everybody you're working with, I can isolate your value using a basic concept of managed versus unmanaged at the vendor level. So, John, if I'm understanding, at the member level, if you've got multiple solutions being used by this member, you are able to separate out that the diabetes program has had this level of impact on costs and the reference-based price program or the specialty pharma program that this member is now using has had this level of impact rather than both vendors double counting at the end. So you are parsing it out separately, the impact. Exactly. And it's fairly easy if you understand statistics. Basically, that member, if there's three vendors serving that member, that member belongs in three separate baskets. And there's a bunch of natural experiments incurring because not every member fits in three baskets. So through that process, we can actually identify, based on the basket that member sits in, what the value of managed versus unmanaged looks like. So that's the way we solve the problem. Maybe run that one more level deeper. So you're saying managed versus unmanaged member and you're looking at the cost trajectory, risk trajectory. Am I understanding this? How should a broker, employer, TPA, listening to this, can take away some insights from here? Rather than going down, I think I would pull it up a level because it's a little bit of our magic. What we're able to do is establish our own point of view on that each vendor's impact on the member population. I can say, here is reference-based pricing's impact on claim cost. I can isolate that from, here is a diabetes manager's impact on your diabetics. That's pretty powerful because I know at the diabetes level, where your diabetes manager was leaning in, So if you think about reference-based pricing as one tranche of value, your diabetics are exposed to reference-based pricing widely, whereas they're exposed to diabetes management at a series of ones and zeros, right? This is a managed person or this is an unmanaged person. So I can isolate the change for each actor. So at least at that vendor level, changes in that cohort for different metrics, whether that is PMPM usage, whether that is risk changes to 
maybe if it's an ER, focus on ER, diversion, how many are visits per thousand, how they have changed? Yeah. I mean, what it comes down to, Ramesh, is if you have really good data at the member level, you can sort those members in many different ways and put them in buckets and analyze those buckets for value. And if you're living with aggregations, you can't do that. So this is great. Fantastic. Interesting way to make sure that vendors are being managed, both they are getting the data to do what they need to do and then tracking them. How about, is there like a stage four in this where how does the member receive and know and there's still complexity there? I'm going to put one more step in there, which has been really powerful and was also kind of an aha moment for us. What we found is that the employers became kind of most motivated for the missed opportunity. So once we could effectively show them, here's the value of managed, they then said, well, how do I get the rest of my population that is unmanaged into the bucket? And that opened a whole new arena for us which is we went back to each vendor by strategy and said, what do you need or what should we do collectively to get more members under management? Okay. And I'll pause there because I'm going to flip the coin as to some ingredients that we found that were necessary. And it translates to your question on member experience and member choice. Yeah, obviously that's an area I spend a lot of time day in, day out. So I wasn't really trying to set you up for this to bring it up, but I do feel the whole member experience we have in healthcare just totally abstracted ourselves. We said it's not really our problem. But at the end of the day, it really starts from that. That 50-year-old busy person with family, kids, they are trying to optimize how do I use healthcare. And I've got so many things available, I can't really navigate through all of this. And as you described, there's a certain type of diabetes program that's more relevant for me or my family. So I think we have totally forgotten about the member in terms of personalizing, making it relevant, using their data. And I believe this is an area of huge innovation, area of huge change, lots of solutions out there coming out. So we will see over the next three years or so, better usage of these programs, better integration of these programs at the member level, better ways of promoting them, enrolling the right member to the right program, and then make sure that you're communicating on an ongoing basis and then tracking it back. Yeah. I don't know what you think. So I agree with you 100%. And the way we think about it is as a user, so I'm in that 50-year-old bucket and have become a user of healthcare for the first time in my life. Very typical long, healthy life, and then you turn 50. What I have been struck by is how complex and confusing the healthcare system is for somebody that is as educated as I am and who's actually working in amongst the solutions. If you start to move down to the member level and look out to the healthcare system, you start to ask yourself questions Why is it so complex? How would I reduce that complexity? How do I help somebody 
how do I educate somebody on the importance of quality, that quality matters, that you shouldn't just pick the closest provider. I don't eat at the closest restaurant. I don't buy a car from the closest dealership. Why would I get healthcare, which is really important, from the closest doctor? So, you know, there's an education problem there. There is how do I support the decision? And then how do I navigate along the journey? So we agree with your perspective that tools at the member level are important. The way we've begun to solve that is... Interestingly enough, the employer is one of the few actors who has the same economic interests as the member, right? They want the person to be healthy. They want the person to get back to work quickly if they have a a health event. They want to reduce cost. They truly are aligned with their workforce population and their families. So we've pushed on that and said, we've got an economic host here who's willing to fund for the member. Outside the government, there's no other actor out there that I know of truly does that. So what we found was that outside the suburban mom, who's a power user of healthcare and very well equipped to navigate the system, what was really missing was a dedicated navigator to help the patient, right? So outbound clinical care was our answer. Once we added that ingredient to the system, the member level endpoint became the next issue, which is how do I talk to that member? How do I stay in contact with that member over time? How do I detect that member's moment of need? so that I can package the right offer or recommendation to help them on their journey. And this is where I think Wellnessity and Zaki Point really are aligned because we each hold an endpoint on a bridge, which is how do I route resources to the member from the employer? And in my mind, you guys hold how do I maintain the conversation with the member so those resources can land appropriately. This is great. The way you lay out the three stages or the fourth, the missing piece or link where you have talked a little bit about the having an outbound clinical navigator. Let's bring it back to our listeners, TPAs, brokers, mid-market employers. How can they actually use whether that framework that you provided, if they're not working with you, what steps they could take? And if they only have, let's say, three to four solutions, three to four vendors, some network design RBP, and perhaps a care management program, and perhaps two other things, what steps would you tell them they should take to get 50% of the value of what you deliver? Yeah, interestingly enough, as we work with advisors, which we like to work with advisors slash brokers because they do play a very important role in the full breadth of benefits. The first thing that we would encourage them to do is to get access to better information. And the broker slash advisor community has been coached slash educated slash cajoled to 
basically believe that the information they have is the best possible information. And they don't realize that they're living with aggregations, which makes it very hard for them to really peel the cover back and help their clients. So I would encourage them to begin looking for a different kind of information asset that has the characteristics of easy to access, easy to understand, easy to self-serve. And then the second thing that I would do is what we're finding is a lot of the accepted beliefs in the broker advisor community are not accurate. So Blue Cross Blue Shield, I shouldn't necessarily draw them out, but the big PBMs and the big carriers realize that if they're going to stay relevant, they need to be open to some of these market-leading solutions. So the big networks are actually comfortable, right, with breaking up the network and getting more specialized networks. The big PBMs are willing to let various types of specialty get carved out. They don't want it to happen, but to save, right, clients to maintain presence The employers actually have more power than they realize, and the advisors have more power than they realize if they can let go of some of these beliefs. And that force is happening, that change is happening. So if you are TPA, you should be just ready to make this information accessible to the broker more easily, and it's not just medical claims, pharmacy claims, and eligibility file, it's perhaps making sure it's available at a member level so that better understanding of vendors' impact could be done. Is that what you're recommending here? Yeah. So what's interesting is the kind of monopolistic power is starting to break up or oligopic power is breaking up. I think for the TPAs as an example, and some of the major actors, I think we've accepted bad data for too long and we've lived with aggregated information for too long. We've lived with non-standardized data for too long. And if you look to the financial services industry, which most people would say U.S. financial services is a shining star of performance across the globe, I can buy a stock anywhere on the planet. I can start a mortgage anywhere on the planet. I can make payments or take payments anywhere on the planet. That didn't happen overnight, right? The financial services industry spent 20 years thinking about how do I standardize data? How do I achieve straight through processing? How do I give up certain cost centers because they really don't add value to my core mission? you know, or check truncation, right? Or we digitize checks. That didn't happen overnight. I think the payer world needs to do the same thing. I think the complexity that they accept and try to manage really brings harm to their ability to deliver their value prop. I think with the private equity leaning in with capital, I think we're going to start to be able to make some of those changes to core infrastructure, to core data, so everything operates more efficient. Because in the end, waste 
waste doesn't benefit anybody. So that's the step one, as you recommend, get access to data, get it at a member level. Is there a next step for them if they should be doing taking without working with experts like you? You're going to put me on my stump for a moment. If you mapped data flows, right, this amazed me. At the employer level, and I have a picture of this that would be interesting to share, but if you actually took every single actor serving a health plan and you arranged them around a circle, you'd find that data is flowing in a many-to-many fashion. So everybody has a point-to-point connection, and they're exchanging flat files. And I was like, this is nuts. I haven't seen flat files being exchanged since the beginning of my career in financial services. If you drew a second picture, and in the center of that picture, you put a hub, and you connect each of those actors to the hub, the number of connections and work that disappear is striking. I think you've described it pretty well, that uh, visual, but we should share this with our listeners too. Because what happens is you actually decouple change. Each actor is allowed to change without affecting the rest of the actors, A. And B, the hub can invest in the fastest possible information, right? So that everybody benefits from faster data and more standardized data and a more singular view of data instead of what we have today, which is the system has to come down to a lowest common denominator to keep talking. So this is good. I want to bring this conversation to one other bigger question about vendor management driving value. Do you see different ways of contracting with them, outcome-based, using this data, metric-based? Is that happening? Do you recommend And how should TPAs, brokers go about this? Simple answer is yes. I don't want to betray any confidences, but more and more we're seeing situations where the TPA in combination with the medical carrier will guarantee offsets to trend. The PBM will guarantee sitting within trend. The care manager will guarantee offsets to trend. A performance-based contract that has a macro driver slash KPI. Now, two things are needed to make those contract terms actionable. One is, what is the accepted measure of trend? We'll see clients build an index. And this is where actuarial science really plays a role is, Work on the index, not the prediction of health. So give me a good view on what price it looks like in the market. And if I create an offset to price, I've performed. And then the second ingredient is the buyer needs to measure that performance instead of the supplier. That's a key point. Maybe just to make sure that our listeners understand when you talk about index to compare. Let's say you are a thousand employee life company you're spending 12 and a half, let's say $14 million on your medical and pharmacy spend. And the trend line has been 7% growth every year. When you talk about trend, is that the 7% growth? 
No, the trend is for employers of similar size, what has inflation looked like over a prior period and what does inflation look like next year? And you can actually measure it in arrears. So as I go through the year, my basket is my trend line. And I evaluate myself versus my basket. It's the age-old benchmarking exercise, but we're taking it one step farther. Instead of doing, how do I do vis-a-vis my benchmark? Oh, I didn't do so well, or oh, I did fine. Organizations are signing up for beating their benchmark. And to give you a sense for size, we have one client where basically 1% trend equals $10 million of earnings erosion. If we deliver a 5% offset to trend, that's $50 million dropping to the bottom line. Big numbers. Well, this is great. This kind of gives a pretty good uh, wrap to our overall discussion on vendor management, the stages. Any other kind of advice or approaches our listeners should take when they think about vendor management, driving more value, point solution, the fragmentation? Here's the second time I'm going to hop up on my stump. I'm amazed at the lack of confidence in the vendor space, in the advisor space, and in the employer space on innovative solutions that work. And we are promoting that these solutions do work, but the added ingredient that we're bringing to the table is objective measurement. So our employers start to get more and more confident and they actually accelerate change, which I think is very different than the common experience. I try to yell from the mountaintops, rooftops, it's working. It really does work. This is great. So there you have it, our listeners. Take this in in, in your stride. Confidence, it'll work. Just start tracking, have objective measurements, and reach out to John if you need some extra help. So John, how can our listeners reach out to you? What are the good ways to connect with you? Yeah, so I will give you my cell phone number, 704-898-3191. I love to answer questions, so I entertain outreach. You can also find us at wellnessity.com. That's W-E-L-L-N-E-C-I-T-Y.com. Some people misspell our name. But anyway, I appreciate these kind of conversations, Ramesh. I really like what you guys are doing with regard to that member touch point and having a consolidated member touch point. So let's all keep talking. Oh, this is great. Thank you, John, for sharing your insights. I think our listeners uh, will get some real value bombs from this, and uh, hopefully they can reach out to you directly as well. Thank you for your time today. You bet. Thanks, Ramesh. And I would like to thank Ikigai Growth, our sponsor of this show. Please join us again for another podcast in the series brought to you by SCA's Voices of Self-Funding. Please like and share so we can build a community of like-minded people and tell us about topics that we can bring to you next. Please watch your email for updates on upcoming guests. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar of Zaki Point Health.